Welcome, and thank you for joining us as we listen to the lively messages of Brother Nick Manzi, a down-to-earth pastor who communicates God's truth in understandable and practical terms as you apply the Bible to your own life. You know, last week we talked quite extensively about loving all life without limits. And we, we focused a lot on loving others, especially those that are unborn. Amen? Amen. And today we're going to start a new series. And that's, uh, the series is going to help us learn to be able to love the life that we live. So I hope you find this sermon series a, a real encouraging series. I don't know about you. Don't you just love those times in life when you're really enjoying all of God's blessings and experiencing his joy? Amen? Amen. I want to make sure you guys are awake. I hope you are. Because God is good and he does give us those blessings. But then there's those other times in our lives that, you know, where, well, let's call it times where life is challenging. Times where it's drudgery and maybe even hard work. And in times when you really need to search for happiness. Do you know those times I'm talking about? Did you know that it's commonly reported that depression affects 16 to 18 million Americans every year? Listen to that number. 16 to 18 million Americans every year are affected by depression. And we're not talking about some rainy day type feeling. What we're talking about is a real serious condition. And I think it should concern every one of us that's here in this room, even outside of this room, that so many people have such a difficult time enjoying life. Any number of things can weigh a person down to the point that they lose hope. And even those of us who aren't depressed, well... We have to admit that there's times that even us, we struggle with maintaining happiness all the time. But the good news is that God's word gives us insight into our human condition. And it offers us tremendous help to be able to deal with and battle to stay encouraged. You know, the scriptures teach that God intends for you to enjoy your life. If you believe that, say amen. amen. You don't have to let all of life's challenges overwhelm you. God wants to be able to help you face life with confidence and with enthusiasm. He wants you to be encouraged and he wants you to be able to experience a joyous life. Now, please understand, I'm not preaching that you're not going to experience any trouble just because Jesus Christ is your savior. But what I am saying is that God wants to help you stay encouraged in spite of all the trouble that you're going to endure throughout your whole life. Now, there are many verses in Scripture that we can go over that, teach us, that teaches us that God wants us to have a joyous life. I just want to be able to remind you of a couple. And believe me, we can read on and on throughout Scripture of many other Scriptures out there. The first I want to remind you of comes from 1 Timothy 6.17. 1 Timothy 6.17. Command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty, not to trust in uncertain riches, but the living God, who gives us richly all things to enjoy. 
See, that's a beautiful verse to understand that we don't need to feel guilty just because we have blessings given to us by God. Some of us, yeah, get more than others. And we know that. But regardless of what God has given you, it's a blessing from God and we should be able to enjoy it. And John 10.10, he he tells us, I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. See, if we are going to experience God's joy, we're going to experience God's fullness, we're going to have to overthrow the things that compete for, for our love in life. Things like doubt and fear, things like guilt. We have to be able to compete with those things and put God in place if we want to have a joyous life that God wants us to have. So we're going to open this new series today on love, uh, the life you live by first learning what the Bible says on how to stay encouraged. So I want to talk to you over the next couple weeks, over the next several weeks on issues like believing in yourself, on forgiving yourself. I want to talk to you about loving yourself. But we're going to begin by learning how we can encourage ourselves in God. Today we're going to just lay down some foundational principles, some general principles on loving life. And it starts with being able to handle the rough spots that we go through. What do we do when those dark days confront us? How do we stay encouraged? Well, I don't think there's anyone in the Bible that gives us a greater example of being encouraged by God than than does David. And when you read some of his psalms, you can't help but be amazed how he starts out with writing a song, feeling discouraged about what's happening in his life, and finish that same song greatly encouraged. So together, I want us to be able to check out a few pages of David's biography from a time when it was really hard for him to love life. We're going to consider one particular uh, incident where mega stress confronted David one day when all of his problems started piling up and his walls started caving in on him, even before the solutions to his previous problems that he had were being solved. So let me set the stage for you. David is running from his own king, a king that he loves dearly. Saul, that king, is eaten up with envy and paranoia, and he mistakenly thinks that David is after his throne. And so he tries to take David's life on several occasions. And David decides to flee, and he flees to the nation of the Philistines, who was an enemy of the Israelites, where his soldiers were fighting for the Philistines as mercenaries. But then one day the Philistines decide to go fight the Israelites and they send David back, back home because they didn't want any kind of trouble with David and his army. So they all go back home. But when they arrived at their temporary home in Ziklag, they found that the Amalekites, well, they raided their town. They burnt down all their houses and they taken all their wives and children as captives. Well, by this time, David and his men were already tired. They were already hungry. And they thought they were coming home to a warm home for the welcome of that warmth of the families to be able to rest finally after so many years being away, to be able to eat and fill their bellies because they were just drained. But instead, 
They come home to that shocking scene of emptiness, of desolation, and of loss. These strong warriors, those strong men that we read about, they were so overwhelmed by all their sorrow. And this is where we pick up our text for this morning. I hope you looked at your bulletins or the board here. But we're in 1 Samuel chapter 30, starting in verse 4. 1 Samuel chapter 30, starting in verse 4, and we'll read to verse 8. If you don't have a Bible, I know we have some Bibles laying around. You're more than welcome to use it. Use your neighbor's Bible, but read God's word for yourself. 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 4 through 8. If you're there, say amen. Then David and the people were, were with him, lifted up their voices and wept until they had no more power to weep. And David's two wives, Ahinoam the Jezreelitess and Abigail the widow of Nabal the Carmelite had been taken captive. Now David was greatly distressed for the people spoke of stoning him because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and his daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. Then David said to Abiathar the priest, Ahimelech's son, Please bring the ephod here to me. And Abiathar brought the ephod to David. So David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered them, Pursue, for you shall surely overtake them, and without fail recover all. Let's pray. Lord, Father, I just want to thank you for today. And I thank you once again for giving us such a glorious day to be able to praise you with. And Father, I thank you for the blessings you bestow onto us, especially the blessing of Jesus Christ, Father, your Son, our Savior. Father, in his name, forgive us where we failed you. And Father, as we kneel at your throne and kneel at your feet, Father, I just pray that you just clear our minds and hearts of everything happening in our lives, good, bad, and different. So the only thing we focus on is you. And Father, fill us with the Holy Spirit. And as we study your word, just teach us and convict us and soften our hearts, Father, as only you can, so we might be able to have your kingdom glorified through everything we say and do and from what we learn. Father, I love you and I thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So this story we just read, that's a pretty bad day, isn't it? I mean, I don't know about you, but if I was going through that day, I'd think it's a bad day. It was, life was probably real hard on that day that David was enduring in that scripture, in that passage that we read. All these strong men, these people that stood up for David and stood up for the Lord, that went to battle and had all the battle scars on them. They were crying and they cried until they couldn't cry anymore. I don't know about you, but maybe you have, you've had days like that in your life. Maybe you had days, days where the sun just simply refused to shine upon your life. Days when your heart aches so violently in your life that you just wish that you could just imagine yourself somewhere else at a different time altogether so you didn't have to deal with that kind of sorrow, that pain, that, that strife that was going on in your life. If you ever felt that, raise your hand. That's what I thought. I didn't think I was the only one that felt that way. But see, it gets so bad for David that you look at verse 6 again. It says, now David was greatly distressed for the people spoke of what? Stoning him. Absolutely. They thought of stoning him because the soul of all the people was grieved. Every man and his sons and his daughters. 
I mean, could you imagine it? That what's going on at this particular time? These men are looking around to see what's left where they're at in Zilklag, and all their homes are smoldering to the ground. The smoke is rising from the, from the ashes, and of course, so does their, their hurt and their anger at the same time. See, these people needed an outlet for all their emotions, and so what did they do? They choose to take it out on their leader. See, this was one of the most difficult situations imaginable. They're away from their real home. They're chased by a mentally ill king. They're living like a vagabond, forced to side with the enemy even. And now David's men speak of mutiny by making him a scapegoat for everything that's been happening, for all their misery, and then they threaten to kill them. Now I want you to sense the desperation in this dark chapter of David's life. One reason I really want you to sense it is to know that you're not alone when you face those feelings of desperation. You're not alone. See, this was rock bottom for David. This was the end of the rope. David had nobody. They were all gone. His family wasn't even there to be able to console with them. And his associates, well, now they lost their grip to the point that they wanted to get rid of David. Most people would have been totally overwhelmed by this turn of events and maybe even thrown in the towel. But in one of the most dramatic 180 degree turns in history, the Bible says this in the second part of verse 6. It says, but David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. I got glory bumps. Visitors, I don't get goosebumps. I get glory bumps. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. See, this is one of the many reasons that we need to love the Word of God. This is why we have to love being a child of God. And by the way, if you're here and you're not a child of God, this is why you should become one. Even in, the, in life's darkest days, we still have hope. Amen. That, that's our source of encouragement right there. You don't need to believe the circumstances and what they look like. What we need to be believing instead is that God's going to work things out somehow. And it might not be for your benefit. It might even be for somebody else's benefit. But God has a plan and it's perfect. I promise you that. David became so encouraged. He became so strengthened in the Lord that he rallied his troops together. And then he went out and, and went up against the Amalekites. He whooped them. He whipped them soundly. And he recovered every family member, every friend that was out there. And he got them back safe and sound. Everyone that was taken captive are now back. Why? Because of the Lord. See, it's one of the most dramatic instances of a personal turnaround anywhere. And the Word of God gives us a key insight on how we can achieve this in our own lives. And it says it right there. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. Amen? Amen? But just exactly how did he do that? That's easy to say it. But now how do we do that? How can we do that? 
When we're handed a, a, a scenario of alarming proportions, how do we not only maintain our equilibrium, but we also become so strong, so courageous that we take off after the enemy, even though we're weak and hungry and tired and we whip them soundly? How do we do that? How do we encourage ourselves in God when our families and friends aren't even willing or maybe even able to encourage us? How are we supposed to do it? This is the exact precise situation that David was in. But how do we encourage ourselves in God during that time? How do we do it? Well, let me give you some practical pointers from this story, how we can stay encouraged in God. Number one, put worship before warfare. Put worship before warfare. This is very important because our natural instinct is to put warfare before worship, isn't it? We, we tend to, to bite back before we step back. See, we need to put worship before warfare. It's so important that before anything else, we understand that David was a first-rate worshiper. And here in our text today, David didn't get angry and stomp off the battle against the Amalekites after what he saw where he was. He didn't. He didn't. He wouldn't go out there to reclaim his family and property in anger, did he? He didn't do that. He paused and he spent time with God. Amen. That's what he did. He stopped and said, God, I'm on my knees. What do I need to do? What do I need to do? See, you will find that this is the most important principle in all of your life. You will find that spending time with God is your first priority in all things. But especially if you want to stay encouraged in the midst of the demands of our lives. See, your struggles are not and should not be the center of your life. Let me say that again. It's so important. Your struggles should not be the center of your life. And by the way, even though this series that we're talking about is about enjoying life, your joy is not to be the center of your life either. You're, see, God is the only one who should be the center of your life. God is the only one who should be the center of your life. And understand, we're going to have to fight for our place in life sometimes. We're just going to have to. But before we fight, we need to find a place for God. We need to put God number one. He takes center and first priority in our lives. So if we want to encourage ourselves, we must put worship before warfare. The second practical pointer for staying encouraged in God is that we need to ask God for direction. We need to ask God for direction. See, after David spent some time with God, listening was what he did next. And that's what brought encouragement into his life. Look at verse 7 and 8 of our passage. It says, Then David said to Abiathar the priest, Ahimelech's son, Please bring the ephod here to me. And Abiathar brought the ephod to David. So David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered him, Pursue, for you shall surely overtake them, and without fail we cover all. 
Let me unwrap this a little bit more. Can I do that, please? See, the priest wore that holy vest, that ephod that we're talking about here. And that symbolized the presence of God. So David, when he was going there, was symbolically, when he asked for that ephod, he was symbolically, symbolically going into the presence of God. See, the point is, David was asking God what to do. And talk about getting good advice, amen? Amen. David wasn't going off half-cocked and not having consulted anything with God at this particular point. Instead, he knew that after talking with God and what God said to him, that he was going to leave for battle and he was going to do it confidently because he knew the will of God. Do we ever step back and try to find the will of God before we do anything, good or bad? So we need to, don't we? We need to. We need to know the, the will of God. So first, David regained his composure by worshiping God. And then he makes plans by consulting God. See, if you start off worshiping God, that's great. It really is great. But we cannot forget to follow God's instructions if we want to stay encouraged. Sometimes we get that worship part right, don't we? But then stress gets us so disoriented throughout the week that we forget to ask God for direction in our lives. And that's a huge mistake. See, we need to know what God wants us to be able to do, not what our human nature dictates, not what other people say, but only what God says. Psalm 119, 143, it says, Trouble and anguish have overtaken me, yet your commandments are my delights. Praise the Lord for that. See, from this verse, we can see that in our, in our joy while we're in our times of trouble is not going to come from the conclusions that we draw on our own. It's only going to come from the commands that God has given us. That's the only place it's going to come. We need to find out what God tells us to do. And guess what? Then we need to do it. Then we need to do it. See, there's only two types of advice out there. And write this down, circle it, highlight it, do whatever you need to do. Put it on your Facebook, Twitter, or all the other social media. Two types of advice. There's godly advice or ungodly advice. That's it. That's all it amounts to. Godly advice or ungodly advice. But the Bible promises blessing for not following ungodly advice. Psalm 1.1 says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of... Does that say godly? It says ungodly, doesn't it? If you want to encourage yourself in God, first put worship before warfare. Then second, ask God for direction. Another practical pointer for staying encouraged in God is to treat others fairly. Treat others fairly. What does this have to do with encouraging yourself in God? Well, a lot of time when life gets rough, when it gets hairy, we're tempted to do what David's troops do. See, we're tempted to take it out on someone else. Why? Well, You know the old saying, misery loves company. See, you're in that pit of despair in your life. And instead of spending time with God and asking him what to do, we listen to our own feelings 
what Satan's pushing us towards and we do the wrong thing. You're hurting, so you hurt someone else. See, hurt people hurt people. What happens, though, after the crises pass and you have time and reflecting on all those things that you might have done wrong and those things that were you've done badly towards someone else? Well, now you have a whole other problem you need to deal with. Yeah, now you have to mend all those fences that you tore down. Now you have to be able to ask for forgiveness and you have to be able to, to you know, go to that person and humbly say, I was wrong. And those are all good things to do. But we could have limited that in the beginning. Couldn't we have? See, when troubles come in our life, we need to be aware of ourselves, but we also need to behave ourselves. Dark days are really a test of our behavior. It's really a test of our behavior. And if you want to encourage yourself in God, then you need to act like God would act. We need to express kindness towards others, even when kindness isn't coming back. We need to love people despite their failures. We need to not take our anger and frustration out on people. This is going back to me too, because I fail at this sometimes too. See, David would face so many more challenges in life after this incident. But the key to staying encouraged in life is to walk in God and live according to God's instructions. See, when we deviate from that, well, that's when we lose our joy. I want to hope you'll allow me to close with a story of one of a. Uh, from one of Max Licato's books. It's about Robert Reed. And it says, I have everything I need for joy, Robert Reed said. His hands are twisted and his feet are useless. He can't bathe himself. He can't feed himself. He can't brush his teeth, comb his hair, or put on his underwear. Strips of Velcro hold his shirts together. His speech drags like a worn-out audio cassette. Robert has cerebral palsy. The disease keeps him from driving a car, riding a bike, and going for a walk. But it didn't keep him from graduating high school or attending Abilene Christian University from where he graduated with a degree in Latin. Having, having cerebral palsy didn't keep him from teaching at St. Louis Junior College or from venturing overseas on five different mission trips. And Robert's disease didn't prevent him from becoming a missionary in Portugal. He moved to Lisbon alone in 1972. And there he rented a hotel room and began studying Portuguese. He found a restaurant owner who would feed him after the rush hour and a tutor who would instruct them in the language. Then he stationed himself daily in a park where he distributed brochures about Jesus Christ. Within six years, he led 70 people to the Lord, one of whom became his wife, Rosa. I heard Robert speak recently. I watched other men carry him in his wheelchair onto the platform. I watched them lay a Bible in his lap. I watched his stiff fingers force open the pages. 
and I watched people in the audience wipe away tears of admiration from their faces. Robert could have asked for sympathy or pity, but he did just the opposite. He held his bent hand up in the air and boasted, I have everything I need for joy. His shirts are held together by Velcro, but his life is held together by joy. So let me ask you this morning, what is it in this life? What is it in this life that's holding you back from joy? Maybe you're here today and you're going through a rough patch. Maybe it's through some rough patches one after the other. Maybe it's an illness. Maybe it's a death of a loved one. Maybe it's some financial issues. Maybe it's something completely different. Well, I want to offer you a time as I invite those to come lead us in our invitation hymn to be able to come forward, to be able to ask the Lord for encouragement. I want you to be able to worship our God and to ask him for direction and help you treat others fairly. And during this time of invitation that we're about to have, if you want that, come forward and let God encourage you. Nick Manzi is Senior Pastor of Central Baptist Church in Port St. Lucie, Florida. If you want more information about the church, or if you're ready to have Jesus as your Lord and Savior, contact Brother Nick at Pastor Nick Central Baptist PSL at gmail.com. God bless you as you go about the rest of your day, and thank you for listening and sharing our podcast.